This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. So we just had Boris Johnson's first Prime Minister's question since that confidence vote. Isabel, how did it go? Surprisingly well for the Prime Minister, actually. It was quite bizarre because rather than spending the whole session centering his questions around the fact that 41% of the Conservative Parliamentary Party do not have confidence in Boris Johnson, Keir Starmer decided to choose the topic that Boris Johnson himself wants to talk about this week, which is health. The Downing Street grid has got health in it. The uh, Prime Minister's question session was directly followed by a statement by Health Secretary Sajid Javid about uh, what he calls a once in a generation uh, transformation of, of the NHS, which I think we've all heard before, probably once every year. So it, it enabled Boris Johnson to come up with a lot of lines that were already right at the forefront of, of his mind. Now, quite a lot of them weren't particularly true. So the government isn't building 48 new hospitals and it's, it's uh, recruitment of nurses, for instance, that he listed is not actually going to answer the health services workforce crisis. But it, it just didn't highlight Boris Johnson's fundamental weakness, the fundamental lack of confidence and trust that his own party have in him. And uh, it, it was quite bizarre that Keir Starmer missed that, chose to miss that open goal. I wondered whether either that it's that he's just a bit flat-footed or that he doesn't quite want to try to finish the Prime Minister off yet. James, which do you think it is? Well, I think the kindest explanation is that he thinks that Labour is best served by leaving Boris Johnson in place because otherwise it, it, was a, it was a very odd performance. I think everyone expected PMQs to be a moment of kind of high drama today and Boris Johnson was lucky because those of his Tory critics such as Andrew Mitchell who were on the order paper didn't ask about leadership but Keir Starmer's questions you know the the expectation was that Keir Starmer would have much more fun in the kind of way that Ian Blackford did or that Angela Eagle did with the fact that so many of uh, the Tory parliamentary party had voted no confidence in in Boris Johnson so so I thought that was strange I think Boris Johnson will be relieved to have got through that session without his situation worsening I always think it's worth remembering with PMQs that you know that despite the excitement it causes in, in, in our postcode, this is, this is not a kind of national event. But I think the worry for Labour is that the reason that Starmer seems to be struggling to win at PMQs might actually be reflective of some broader problems, that he, that he isn't hugely comfortable on his feet, that he slightly struggles to come up with a memorable line and I mean I think that will be the concern I think that you know but I think there will be relief in Downing Street this evening about how that how that session of PMQs went and Isabel on on Keir Starmer it's been interesting because clearly on this podcast we have been focusing most of our attention on Boris Johnson and questions over his leadership but Peter Manderson has come out today with questions of his own regarding Keir Starmer can you talk us through that yeah, so he's uh, he said that Keir Starmer's got a, a year to really make an Im- impression, which is slightly stating the obvious, given how close the, the next uh, likely general election actually is, and that Starmer needs to make some more powerful brushstrokes uh, to win over voters. Now, it's not 
necessarily that surprising that new Labour grandees are anxious about where Keir Starmer is in terms of his uh, performance and authority. I think it's probably more significant because Peter Mandelson has been advising Keir Starmer in various capacities, although whenever you ask him or them about it, uh, they don't like to talk about it. But but he has been involved quite a lot in trying to help Starmer reshape his party, reshape his leadership. And um, certainly the, the Labour leader is much more comfortable with talking about the Blair government as being something that was good, which sounds like a ridiculous uh, sentence for a political journalist to say that the the leader of a party likes to talk about the time his party was in government as being good. But that's been quite unusual for for Labour for quite a while. It wasn't just Jeremy Corbyn who wanted to... uh, to suggest that the the Blair government was a bit of a waste of time, but Ed Miliband was quite keen to to sort of step away from it as well. So I think what Peter Mandelson is saying does tap into a wider feeling amongst those who were in that government, uh, including Tony Blair, including other senior figures, that Keir Starmer is, is really running out of time. And I think one thing that's quite striking when you talk to Labour people is that they like and respect Keir Starmer, they're not so desperately worried about the consequences of him being fined by Durham Police and having to resign, as you might think, because they actually wonder whether he's done the job that he could do, which is to try to sort of clear out the Labour Party of of its hard left um, agitators, such as Jeremy Corbyn, and whether him having to resign would allow for a new charismatic figure to come in and finish off the job. And obviously, whenever you hear someone saying that, you know, they're talking about Wes Streeting, who is the the sort of um, the most likely contender to succeed Starmer should a vacancy arise. Now, James, in other news, Sajid Javid has pledged NHS leadership changes following review. What are we expecting here? So, I mean, I think people should read your uh, your poll column in the forthcoming a magazine, Katie, which is all about, you know, it's been led by this General Gordon Messenger. And, it, and I think there is an element here of Sajid Javid is trying to do two things. Kind of one, you know, we'll get the military in to offer some advice on leadership. And secondly, we're going to improve the NHS's digital skills. That's his, that explains his reference to the NHS being a kind of blockbuster health service provider in the age of, of Netflix. So I think those are the two challenges. I think the the big question, which I think is actually a kind of broader question about public services, is why, not just in this country, but why generally it is so difficult to scale good public sector leadership. I mean, that, that is a really interesting question. You know, we have quite a lot of evidence now of which schools do well, which hospitals do well from, from the various performance metrics. But finding a way to get the less good schools and hospitals to learn from the better schools and hospitals, to spread that best practice, it, it is something that is kind of continually frustrating governments and public services. So I think there is a really interesting question about how you manage to do that. Isabel, uh, we're speaking to you as you're putting the finishing touches to your book on NHS. What do you make of uh, the the changes? Do you think this is going to have a significant effect? Well, it's not the first review in recent years into NHS leadership. I mean, there was one in 2018 as well. And the report that's been published this afternoon by General Sir Gordon uh, Messenger and Dame Linda Pollard does make a large number of recommendations that we read in that 2018 report or previously. I think one of the things about 
NHS management is that it's a much smaller part of the NHS workforce than people imagine and has also since the 1980s really been a very convenient scapegoat for politicians who are trying to avoid having to address the more difficult questions. And I'm not saying there's not serious problems with the quality and behaviour of some NHS managers and that's something that the Messenger Review highlights. I mean, it talks about examples of bullying and cover-ups um, and I'll, I'll come on to that in a second. But but it's it's very easy to talk about, you know, middle managers and cut out the bureaucracy in the health service and so on. But health services, they do take management. I mean, that was something that was the conclusion of the 1980s Thatcher government. And uh, if you don't have enough managers and you end up with clinicians having to spend their time doing paperwork. So I think it's it's quite easy for a government such as this one, which is ducking all the really big questions on the NHS, such as workforce, such as capital spending, and so on, such as, you know, very difficult issues like obesity, to start talking about managers, because they're sort of, you know, universally the bogeymen inside and outside the health service. Now, there's one thing that's, that I thought was quite interesting that Sajid Javid and all the pre-briefings of this review managed to avoid, which was that Messenger says that part of the the leadership failures and potential bullying problems within the health service have been exported from politics. Uh, He says that they're in part down to political pressure, you know, to meet targets and so on. It's it's very strange that politicians never mention their own potential role in um, some of the cultural problems in the the organisations that they seek to reform. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.